Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Gerald Borgay, and it's just the two of us holding it down today because our other two members of the crew are busy finding us a new office space. Or getting us settled into a new office space, I guess you could probably say better. <laughs> yes, hopefully soon. It was a chaotic day moving yesterday, but uh, hopefully we're settled into the new space soon. But for now, we are going remote, just Lindsay and I. So it should be fun, though, because I've been wanting to do this for a long time, a mailbag episode. So I'm glad we're finally going to be able to get, get to do that. I thought you were going to say just kick Saul and Espo to the curb no. and just me and you. I was like, oh, okay, Gerald, come and spice it up. Let's go. <laughs> Day before a vacation, I'm feeling spicy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, we do have a mailbag coming up for you later on in the show. But first, a few things that we need to talk about that have come out on social media in the last however many days. First and foremost, we're getting schedule drops and leaks and things of the nature. So Sham Sharania tweeted out that the Suns are reportedly playing on Christmas Day. They're going to be playing on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And they're going to open the season against the Dallas Mavericks. So before we get into the season opener, let's talk about Christmas Day and MLK Day. How excited are you for both of those two days, having Suns games to enjoy? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. And I say that cautiously because last year we were super excited about the Suns finally getting a Christmas game. And that game did not go well for them. That was one of their worst games of the year against the Warriors. But this year they're going into Denver. We're going to finally possibly see the Suns against a healthy Jamal Murray, as Nuggets fans like to point out. Um, So I would be very excited if they went in there and just kicked the crap out of the Nuggets because they keep bringing (laughs) up, they keep bringing up the last time that the Nuggets were healthy and Jamal Murray played, like they won back-to-back games in Phoenix or whatever it was, you know, forgetting the fact that the NBA ruled that he traveled on a play that tied it up and sent it to overtime, all that shit. So it'd be nice if the Suns just went in there and kicked the crap out of the Nuggets again on the road. We remember what Booker did last time he was in Denver with that MVP caliber performance. Um, So it'll be fun. And it's just good for the Suns to get Christmas Day marquee games. This one's kind of like the fun NBA hipster matchup of the day. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. I feel like I feel like we were starting to get leaks of schedule. Um, I feel like I saw a lot of Suns fans on Twitter who were a little concerned that maybe we would get gypped a little bit this year, Mm -hmm. um, which made me a little nervous, to be honest with you, because it's yes, sure, the playoffs didn't pan out the way that we had all expected or hoped they would. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean this team has just fallen off the edge of the cliff. Like, we're still here. Like, I'm (laughs) sorry. Let's just pump the brakes for five seconds here if we're starting to kick us out of the club already. Yeah, um, no, it, it was it was good they got that respect at least, even with the way that uh, their last primetime nationally televised game went, but I'm here for it. For sure. And then, of course, 
Shams also tweeted about the season opener, and this is exactly what he said, okay? He said, quote, after a blowout game seven lost in West semifinals, the Phoenix Suns will host the Dallas Mavericks in the season opener for both teams on the 19th per sources. Luka Doncic and his new backcourt starter, Spencer Dinwiddie, will face Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Like, I'm sorry, Shams, why'd you have to come at us like that with this tweet? Why couldn't you have just, like, eliminated that whole first line? Yeah, that's that's Not kind no of what, that's that's unfortunately that's what's going to come with the territory until like this team wins a title because all anybody's going to remember is that game seven blowout until they do it. So, yeah, that's it. Come, it's regrettable, <laughs> but it's we're going to have to expect a lot more of that this season. Anytime we beat a good team, people are going to be in our mentions talking about game seven or Luca. Anytime we play the Mavs, if we win, we're supposed to. If we lose. It's going to be right back to game seven. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) might as well get used to it now, ease into it. Yeah, I just, I definitely hope that we can get a W on our season opener because that will kind of, one, hopefully, let's be realistic, it probably won't, but hopefully at least a little bit silence some of those people and just be like, okay, we're on to a new season. Let's, again, pump the brakes a little bit here with just the crazy ridiculousness that happens on the internet on a daily basis surrounding this team. Um, But then also going back to Christmas day, it'll be nice to see Devin get his first Christmas day win. And also when we're talking about the nuggets, I just think that would be extra fun because our friends over at DMVR still love to give us some grief (laughs) about their Denver nuggets. And I'm just like, okay, I hope we can take care of business this year now that they have zero excuses. I, I love the guys at DNVR. It was great getting to know them when we went out to Vegas for summer league, but I want to ruin their Christmas. Like that's what I want. That's what I'm wanting this year. Cause I'm so sick. I'm like borderline this close to muting the name Jamal Murray on Twitter just for that reason. But for so. real, like call me Scrooge, but I hope you get cold this year and you're stuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then of course, uh, one final thing that I think is cool to note uh, scheduling wise, Malika Andrews tweeted today that the NBA, has announced that no games will be played on Election Day, Tuesday, November 8th, 2022, and encourage players and fans to vote in the midterms. I think this is a really cool thing and initiative that the league is doing. And from what I understand, the day before, on Monday, all the games will kind of have sort of a an initiative sort of theme to them, I guess, as far as encouraging people to go out and vote and use their voices as they so choose. Yeah, I I love this. I'm not sure how much of a difference it'll actually make, but I do want to point out that in 2020, during those like three or four months where we didn't have sports at all, I feel like there was a much more heightened social consciousness of everything that was going on in our country, Um, the social issues, political issues, all that that we were dealing with at the time. So it is good to see the NBA be cognizant of that type of thing and how important this day should be a lot of other countries get election day off of work. Like this is something that if other businesses catch on to that idea or they like that idea and try to replicate it, who knows, maybe in a few years time election day, people will actually be able to take the day off and, and go vote and do their civic duty in that way. So it's not, I don't know if it's going to make a ton of difference, but it is the type of thing that can maybe get the ball rolling and I'm, I'm here for it. Right. Absolutely. So if you're not registered to vote yet, make sure you do that. Just saying, throwing that out there. Make sure. (laughs) All right. Now a brief update on the Kevin Durant stuff. So let me just kind of like set the scene here, even though I'm sure all of you are very well aware. 
Mark Stein wrote an article, and within it, he shared that, quote, during Summer League in Las Vegas, one of the most well-connected team executives I speak to regularly insisted to me that based on what he was hearing, Kevin Durant was more apt to retire than play again for the Brooklyn Nets. This was in early July, end quote. Now, this caused an uproar on Twitter because many people felt like Stein was pushing the thought that KD was going to retire. But KD responded via tweet saying, quote, I know most people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if it's anyone out there that'll listen, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Shit is comical at this point. End quote. Gerald, I know that I have some very strong thoughts and opinions on this whole situation, so the floor is yours. Yeah, okay. First of all, I like how Kevin Durant framed it like, I don't know if anyone will listen when he has 20.3 million followers. And but like to the guy who's actually the one who has the deciding factor within all of this right like i don't know who's gonna listen to me but my thing is like i get his frustration as far as you know this unnamed source saying something that he feels is not even remotely true but my my issue was with the amount of people that went after mark stein for what he wrote when you know the quote that we just read was the first of three paragraphs the latter two of which he spent debunking that idea and saying and pushing back on it and saying I don't see that at all I see it as serious hyperbole I think was the phrase that he used um and and it's just it kind of as a journalist it bothers me because I understand that you need to know your audience and we need to be aware of the fact that people aggregate people look for money quotes they look for what they can plaster up on a graphic to share on social media because people care more about clout and they care more about interaction than they do about actually getting facts right. And not all of these people are actual journalists. So I, I get that. But at the same time, like if you're going to quote somebody on something, you need to understand the context. You need to take the extra one to two minutes to read the next few paragraphs and understand that, okay, this is what one executive is saying, but that doesn't mean that Mark Stein believes it. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. It's just something that was said that he felt the need to report. And then he clarified he is pushing back on that idea. He doesn't think it's realistic. And so it's easy how things can be misquoted. And we should have learned this as children playing the kids game telephone. Like the whole point is the more that you spread a message from one person to the next, the more that message gets distorted. It's very true here and now. And, you know, we're lucky that we're dealing with something as silly as talking about basketball and where a star player is going to end up. We're talking about a game. These aren't life or death matters. But it it just bothers me that this kind of aggregation can fall back on the journalist when, let's be real, like it takes two minutes to read the paragraphs in question here and get the actual point of what he was trying to say. That. It, it just bothers me. And I know it doesn't bother everybody else as much as it does me because <laughs> I'm in the same boat of Mark Stein of having been misquoted after give, oh. taking the time to lay out the proper context. But it is what it is. Reading is hard. Give us a break. It's, it's, Reading is hard, Gerald. Give us a break. Uh, it is hard. It's it's hard to read those three paragraphs. It's tough. We have the I'm attention spans. Of, you. No, but it's true. Like we have the attention spans of goldfish. So we just want immediate gratification we want that that quote that we can be like oh wow this is everything we don't need to worry about anything else um it's just it's a it's a sad kind of uh reflection of where we are in general these days. yeah i would say if anything if you want to be mad at somebody be mad at the unnamed source who 
even shared this information in the first place, right? Because Mark is just sharing what he has been told. So I think that's also important to remember here. But either way, my biggest takeaway from this article um, is that even though Kevin Durant is not retiring, and I don't think that he would go as far as to retire before playing for the Brooklyn Nets again, I do think it might show a little bit of how far he's willing to go as to force his hand and get what he wants out of this whole situation. Because I know we've talked a lot, and there's been reports back and forth about will he sit out come training camp? Will he not? Does he love basketball too much? This, that, and the other. I think this maybe gives us a little bit more of an insight into the idea that he is willing to push it that far to be moved. Right. And and I don't think like, I think it's the word that Mark Stein used hyperbole was pretty appropriate. It's an over-exaggeration, but it's in service of truth to kind of paint the picture. Uh, Like this executive was probably just talking out his ass and he was probably just like, Oh man, I think he's closer to retiring than returning to the nets. Like, Yes, he's probably exaggerating. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to retire, but it does give you an idea into his mind frame and where he's at right now. Like he's not, he doesn't want to be back with the Nets. He's about to pull out every card in the playbook to like get out of Brooklyn and force his way out. He's had pretty good uh, experience watching James Harden do exactly that a few months ago. So I I think this is a gradual thing that we're going to see continue to build up. We're going to continue to see. Reports like this about, you know, suggesting that he won't show up to training camp, that kind of thing. And eventually it'll get to the point where both sides do what's best in part ways. But yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's an over-exaggeration for sure. Uh, Dagoon in the chat said, you heard it here first. Gerald hates his job. That's what you <laughs> yeah. said, right, Gerald? That's what you said, exactly right? Exactly it. Exactly That's how it. I heard it. Throw it up on a money quote. <laughs> Let's make a graphic. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the latest on the Kevin Durant situation. Obviously, we have to continue talking about it. I know half of you want to continue talking about it and half of you are like, yeah, can we just be (laughs) at the end point already and just have all of this stuff behind us? Because dragging this out is becoming like sleeping with a wet blanket. This is not fun nor enjoyable anymore. (laughs) So let's just call it a day. But it is what it is. We don't have any control over it. So... You just got to suck it up, buttercup. Sleep with that wet blanket. (laughs) I do have some things that might help you deal with it. Okay. Our friends over at OGs and Four Peaks have both partnered with us to give you guys some free swag. So our friends at OGs, they have an entering, or sorry, you can enter the Flavoring Life sweepstakes that we've got going on right now with them. And one winner will, will receive three bags of OGs, including their orange creamsicle and tropical flavors. You're also going to get an OG's hat and you're going to get a PHNX shirt of your choice and a PHNX annual membership to sign up for the flavoring life sweepstakes. Just head on over to gophnx.com or click the link in our show notes. But if you don't want to wait that long to find out if you're a winner, you can always win right now by picking up some OG's either online at ogsbrands.com. You can check them out on Instagram at ogsbrands. Or you can find their products at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 years or older to purchase. Now, for Peaks, they have got the hookup for you guys as well, our Toast of the Month sweepstakes. Now, this one will get you a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. Again, just head on over to gophnx.com or click the link in our show notes. And one more time, you can also win by just stopping at a grocery store and picking up some Four Peaks on your way home from work. 
but you must be 21 years or older. And we ask that you enjoy responsibly. And a reminder, you can enter multiple times. So if every day you wake up, you read one of Gerald's articles, then you head on over to the sweepstakes page, you enter into these, it's a chance to become a really good winner. And like I said, the stuff will hopefully help you get through whatever you want to call this KD situation. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. We're going to do a mailbag. Mm-hmm. You ready, Gerald? Yes, I'm excited. Should we start with an easy one or should we start like just dive right on head first? We can, we can start with an easy one. We'll ease into it. Okay. So the easiest one is best TV shows in the last five years, in your opinion. Okay. So this one's this, like easy for you. <laughs> See, you say that, you say that, and this is like the one that I had the most answers for. But I know um, you go you yeah. about this for like three days straight. The minute yes. you got this question, your brain was already turning. Also, this one's from WS Cry30 on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. So I actually I answered this in because I, in addition to this podcast we're doing, I answered some other questions that I got on Twitter in a written article this morning. Um and I actually kind of went into detail because there was another Better Call Saul question because it just wrapped up last night. It was a series finale, and it was phenomenal. Um, and I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan, obviously, wearing the shirt here. So uh, it was kind of, like, emotional for me because, <laughs> obviously, it's, it's a different show. It's a spinoff show, but it's, like, this was kind of the final, I think, project in that universe. So it was, like the culmination of basically 15 years of TV watching for me. Um, And it was incredible. They totally stuck the landing. So Better Call Saul has to be at the top of my list. I think it's got a case for one of the greatest shows of all time. I still put Breaking Bad on top of it, but it's very close. And the fact that it even got that close is great. And then I also, I'd love to shout out my other favorite show, BoJack Horseman on Netflix. It's like, it's the weirdest premise. It's an animated show about a horse that is dealing with fame and depression and substance abuse issues and all this other shit, these real life issues. Um, but I've never seen a show that combines like humor and devastating, like emotional gut punches and can like change gears on the drop of a dime. Like it's, if you're into shows that like can be very emotional, surprisingly, like animated shows have gotten a lot better at that. I feel like BoJack Horseman goes at the top of the list, but uh, let's let you answer a couple of, of your <laughs> favorite shows before I start ranting and raving. Um, I have not watched either of those, so mm-hmm. apologies for that, but <laughs> I love what we do in the shadows. It just brings me so much joy. Honestly, I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying Only Murders in the Building right now. Okay. I started it, stopped, didn't think I would like it, and then tried again, and I actually mm-hmm. really do enjoy it. Shit's Creek. I don't know if that mm-hmm. was in the last five years or not, but that is... yeah. Solid, solid yes. TV. Um, and I also don't know if Game of Thrones was in the last five years, but I will say I understand the ending pissed off a lot of people, myself included. However, mm-hmm. the way that basically everyone in the entire world watched it together and had the social discourse around it and like everyone at the, you know, at work or in your friends groups or whatever the next day, we're all talking about things and trying to decipher things mm-hmm. together. I really enjoyed that about Game of Thrones. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw those ones out there. Yeah, Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad were kind of the only two shows that I've ever experienced that sort of like monoculture, like communal talking about it on a week-to-week basis. Like the day after an episode of either of those, I would like be reading articles about it. I would listen to like podcasts about it. 
Then I would like rewatch the last week's episode before the new one every time. Like it was a really cool kind of event that all of us took part in. And there aren't many shows that reach that kind of level, even though the ending was absolute garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ending sucked, but we're just going to ignore that and hold yes. on to the good parts of what Game of Thrones gave us. <laughs> yes. Um, I did have a couple other more recommendations because I know people like to look for new TV shows and I'm kind of one of the people that loves doing that. Um, Barry on HBO with Bill Hader is really That's a fun good. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it does a really, it's a dark comedy, but it does a really good job of providing levity when it needs to, and then hitting hard when it has to, when it gets more violent, when it gets darker. Um, Invincible on Amazon is an animated show. It's with, uh, Stephen Yoon and JK Simmons doing voiceovers, um, it starts off as kind of like a standard superhero origin story. And then like the post credit screen, your jaw just drops because of what happens. I won't spoil it. Um, and it gets progressively darker. It's based on a comic book series by Robert Kirkman, who is the same guy who did the walking dead comic book series. So, you know, it's very gory. It's very brutal, um, but it's really well done. And then um, you're the worst is a comedy. Um, oh, I loved that. That was, that a, was a great show, right? I liked that show, yeah. It was hilarious. It was raunchy, but it was also like, it, it kind of, I, I call it the live action BoJack because of the way that one minute it can be very funny and the next minute you're like, ow, my feels. Like, why did that, <laughs> why did that hit so hard? I wasn't expecting that. Um, but yeah, I, I loved that show. And I think yeah. like a lot of the shows that I really appreciate, it ended really well. Like it had a great, series finale and everything mm-hmm. i'm glad i do always, love that i did love that show you always are on the same page with me as far as like comedies like what we do in the shadows brooklyn 99 letter like, kenny. <laughs> yes letter kenny yeah comedies you and i are on the same yes. page as far as anything beyond that i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that too much yes. i support it i support you gerald I okay do. I appreciate that. And then I got a shout out. Um, I'll just make these quick. Mr. Robot, Succession, Attack on Titan, Ted Lasso, The Boys, Squid Game, Rick and Morty, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and The Mandalorian. Those have all been some of my favorites over the last five years. So, All right. So if you guys are ever deciding or complaining out loud to yourself that you're bored because Suns basketball is not back yet, you've got like six and a half weeks <laughs> to binge all these shows and then watch our podcast. And that's it. That'll handle all yep. of your um, entertainment content for the next handful of weeks until we get to Suns season. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's do a basketball one now. So Sundarus Dunks asked, if we run it back with both, who out of Jay and Cam Johnson should be starting, who should be finishing games, and who should play more minutes? Yeah, so I've, I'm kind of torn on this one, at least as far as who should be starting. I do think it might be time to consider moving Cam Jay into the starting lineup and seeing what he can do, assuming that there's no – Kevin Durant or other blockbuster trade that happens before the start of the season. I do think it might be time to see what you can do with Cam J in that starting lineup, see what his kind of superior spacing and firepower can bring to the table. Yes. Your bench is going to be a little bit worse as far as scoring punch because Jay's a, Jay's a glue guy and he fits really well with that starting unit. And that's kind of my biggest trepidation about moving him to the bench is the bench gets worse because Jay's not a guy that's going to create his own shot as much. Um, But I do think you want to experiment this year. I think this year should be the year where you change your lineups, 
you change the responsibilities you give guys. Last year, the Suns' keys to success were very formulaic, and they operated through Chris Paul and Devin Booker primarily. I think this year you need to put the ball in other guys' hands. You need to see what they can do. And I think that starts with Cam J starting. But even if he's not a starter, I do think you need to give him more minutes. I think he needs to be playing more minutes than Jay Crowder at this point. And I do think you need to be riding the hot hand because there were a lot of times where Cam Johnson was having a good game and then Jay would kind of get the nod to close out the game because he's Jay Crowder. He's the veteran. You can trust him in those scenarios. I do think it might be time now to put Cam in, in a few more of those scenarios. I agree. I I love Jay and I love what he brings. Um, he is a little bit streaky. We've talked about that numerous mm-hmm. times since he's been a member of the Phoenix Suns, but he's 32 years old. I'd like to see Cam just get a little bit more play to really see what you've got there and help him kind of come into his own a little bit more. Because even though he's younger he or older, in age, technically, for how many years he's been in the league. He hasn't been in the league for too, too long. Mm-hmm. So I think you I think you do yourself a disservice if you don't start putting a little bit more on his load, right? Mm-hmm. And then as far as um, who should be finishing games, like you said, whoever has the hot hand at that moment, that guy. But also, <laughs> I do think it's really important to put some of the younger guys in those positions to be successful late in games. And maybe you drop a few here and there in the regular season – but it starts building up their confidence to be able to actually knock down those clutch shots. And we saw a little bit of that last season too. You put that responsibility on their shoulders, they get used to that responsibility, and then they start coming through for you when you need it the most. And that's important in growth and development for any player, really. Yeah, and and I think if we're talking about growth and development as well, like obviously we're still kind of looking to the horizon for this Kevin Durant trade to come in, but – if that doesn't happen and if you don't make a blockbuster move, like you need to see if Cam Johnson can be your starting four for the long term because he's eligible for that contract extension. He's a restricted free agent next summer. Like he's earned an extension. Now you need to see, okay, if we're starting this guy as our starting power forward, can he hold up with starters minutes? Like, can he hold his own defensively for that long as a four? Um, does this starting lineup work together? That sort of thing. I think most of the evidence points to yes, but you need to see it in action. You need to put guys in different situations. Um, like I said, and experiment a little. So I, I think you definitely have to strongly consider Cam Johnson starting. And if he doesn't, he still needs to be getting the lion's share of the minutes there. Um, especially cause it would help keep Jay Crowder fresh for playoff time. And this one, I feel like is such a tough one for so many fans because they see the benefit of both of these guys in that starting role and just having kind of like you said the majority of those those minutes but even in our comments right now like there's one that is strictly just cam that's it all caps and then everyone else is kind of like I mean Amy said defense and screen settings of Jay are not easily replaceable by cam but then Josh said I think cam uh more than proved it during his career with that buzzer beater cam can be that guy in the fourth like it's just one of those things that I feel like everyone is a little bit uncertain about, but on the same page, at the same time that both bring really important things to this team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, we shall see. We shall see. I'm sure Monty is having this conversation with his, with himself and his staff right now as well. So we're not the only ones. Okay. Sunders Dunks also asked if um, Dario Sarge playing with the national team coming off an injury, a good thing, or is it risky? 
I, I think it's a good thing. I understand that there's inherent risk in that, but there's risk anytime any of these players play for a national team or, or play in FIBA or whatever, you know, international tournament that they want to play in. I, I think it's good that the Suns and other teams let them do that, allow them to play for their countries. Um, in Dario Sharch's case, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm a little concerned because there is that risk. He's coming off two serious knee injuries in the last year or so, but you know, there's only one way you're going to find out if he's going to be ready for the upcoming season. This is a good way to kind of ease into what's going to be a rigorous NBA season for him, 82 games again. Um, I'm curious to see how he's going to perform, how he holds up over the course of, of this play uh, for Croatia. I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I think you kind of have to break the bubble, you know, remove the bubble wrap at some point and see what he can do, ease him back into it. This is a really good way to do that, I think. I agree. I think both things can be true at the same time. It can be a good thing and then also maybe a little bit risky. But like you said, at some point in time, you got to take the bubble wrap off and you got to get him into game shape. And this will at least help him start working on that before the grind of an NBA season. And the, every single athlete will tell you there is nothing that can get you ready or in shape for a season than being in the season itself. Right. <laughs> so him playing basketball, having those type of movements that he's going to be doing this upcoming season is probably really good for him to know where he may need to put a little bit more emphasis on his continued rehab because I'm sure it's it's not something that just stops right but, like if it's something that you've had issues with in the past you constantly have to be aware of it and be on top of it so I think it's a good thing in the long run knock on wood hopefully everything goes well for him there okay this one's kind of a fun one ASU David 82 said who is your favorite lesser known Suns players of all time I, yeah, I answered this one in my article too, and I struggled with it a little bit because I don't know what qualifies as like lesser no. That's what I was like. I don't want to be mean and like, right? Like name somebody, and then everyone be like, everyone knows who that is. Yeah, I I kind of had a like smorgasbord of guys that I came up with because I didn't completely know. Um, you know, obviously, like Grant Hill is a well-known name but he was kind of an, an unsung hero role player on that team that went to the conference finals. And he was always my, my favorite player growing up in the nineties. So seeing him on the suns and seeing him kind of overcome his injuries and whatnot, he wasn't the same Grant Hill, but he was still a very effective two-way role player. And it was cool to see him kind of have that last stage of his career in Phoenix where he was still effective. Um, you know, these are recent guys, so most people know them, but like PJ Tucker, Gerald Green, Lou Amundsen, these are kind of role players on their teams that were really good at what they did and, and kind of flew under the radar at the time. Um, I'll never forget what Dragic did to the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs off the bench that year before he became, you know, the most improved player and an all NBA guy. Like it was really cool to see him back up Steve Nash and just have performances like that. Um, and then the last ones that I had were Tim Thomas and Danny Manning. I still hold that the Suns 90s run would have worked out a lot different if Danny Manning hadn't have gotten hurt. So that's another big what if uh, that flies under the radar for Suns in their franchise history. 
So we have a couple um, in the chat, Casey Jacobson, Eddie House, Gerald Green, Elliot Perry, Archie Goodwin. That that one came from Shane Diefenbach. <laughs> Archie was really nice to me, so I liked him. He was Eddie a very Hardaway, nice guy. He was. Shaq, humble rumble said Shaq. Stop it. <laughs> you stopped it. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's some good ones here in the chat. Tim Tim Thomas had some huge playoff shots. Rajah mm. Bell was dope, loved his fire. Um, yeah, these are all great ones. Mine was a little bit more out of left field. Um, I really enjoyed Tyler Johnson on this team. Yeah. He was a really good locker room guy. He had a great personality, great, like he brought a lot of fun to this group too, especially when he was here, it wasn't like we were doing all too well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think he brought just kind of a, a sense of enjoy what you're doing, like have some fun with it. And I think that's always important, um, in any area of life, to be honest with you. So that was my pick. Oh yeah. And he was super approachable too. I remember one time back when we still had like locker room access, you know, I went up to him before a game and was just kind of shooting the shit with him. And we were talking about like favorite TV shows and, our mutual love of breaking bad and cam Johnson said he was one of his favorite teammates. And that was kind of when he learned the NBA is a business. Cause he was like, Oh man, one of my friends can just be here one day and gone the next. So yeah. apparently he was a, a very likable guy. Yeah. And then I also, I'll retweet your PJ Tucker one. I don't know that I would put him in a lesser known yeah. kind of category, but I love PJ. He's super dope. Yeah. Okay. Favorite non sons player. This one came from hearts Lincoln. Okay, so all time, it would probably have to be Michael Jordan, just because like that's how I fell in love with basketball growing up as a child. Um, but currently, I, I know all of these picks, like even the Michael Jordan pick, are like cringeworthy for Suns fans. <laughs> but like Giannis is one of my favorite players to watch, just because of what a physical marvel he is. Like I've never seen a player that long, that strong, that quick, be able to do what he can, like it's unparalleled, honestly. It, it's it's not it's not quite Prime Shaq because Prime Shaq was just like bigger. He was a behemoth, but like it, it's, it's reminiscent of that and how dominant he is and how freakishly fast he is for a guy that, that of that size. Um, and then I, you know, I'm ASU, so I'm biased. So I will throw James Harden in there and I don't care if I take slack for it because James Harden is, when he's on, he's an incredible baller. I hope that his best days aren't behind him, but they look like they very well might be. John Morant and Anthony Edwards are really exciting. So those are probably the guys I would go to. Um, Jamal Crawford is at the top of my list or pretty close to the top of my list. I love watching him play and I think he's a dope person. I've said that a million times before on the show, so we don't need to get into that too much, but I also love Giannis. I think jaw is super fun to watch as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say those three guys for right now. Oh, Damian Lillard's fun too. I like him as a person as well. Yeah. And the love that he gives to book. You can't ever ignore that. Damon Curry also deserve mentions just mm-hmm. because of their incredible shooting ability. We haven't seen very many players like it. So they're up there too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's get a little bit more. This one's rough. I don't know okay. if it's rough. It's just a heavy question. Okay. Um, in your honest opinion, do you believe Devin Booker is a first option on a championship team or do you see him more as a Robin? This one came from Colton Oliver eight. Yeah, I I mean, this is something that we've all kind of been grappling with since what we saw in that second round series. But again, I, and I think we've talked about this on the show in the past, like 
I don't want people to get tunnel vision and forget what literally happened the year before this. Like, yes, Devin Booker was bad in game six and seven of a closeout series that the Suns lost when they had title aspirations. And as a guy who just made all NBA first team, who was top five in MVP voting, he needed to be better than that. And he wasn't. And I think he'll be the first person to tell you that as well. But like, I don't want people to forget, like literally last year before this happened, dropped 46 to close out the defending champs and LeBron in the first round. He had a 40-point triple-double without Chris Paul against the Clippers. He dropped 40 in back-to-back finals games. So, like, yes, I'm aware they didn't actually win the title that year, but they were two wins away in a lot of these guys' first playoff run ever, and it was largely because, or at least with, Devin Booker as the best player on the team. So, like, I think that, yes, you absolutely can win a title. I think heading into the playoffs, the Suns were hands-on favorites to win it all until they lost to themselves. I don't think – I think Luka Doncic delivered the death blow. I think he was the one who killed them off in the end. But I think a lot of their wounds in that series were self-inflicted because they stopped playing the brand of basketball we had seen all season long. And that brand of basketball with Devin Booker as the main guy – was the best team in the NBA. They were a championship contender. So yes, I do think you can still win a title with book. I think what we saw is a young team taking its playoff licks in a way that they really didn't that first run to the finals. Like that year, it was just kind of magical. Everything fell into place for them. They played really well. They didn't experience that same type of adversity that they did with this kind of shocking defeat. And I think they'll come back better for it. And I think if you have a slightly better supporting cast, with jumps from Mikhail and Cam and DA and even Book, that's still very much a title contender. This one's a tough one. Um, <laughs> and the, the chat is kind of saying a lot of the same thing. So Gaines said, in between, question mark, Book is not a top five player, might not even be top 10. Everyone keeps saying that you need a top five player to win a title. So I don't know, dot, dot, dot. Eli said, this is tough because he can be number one, but he needs a little boost to take him to that next level in big games. Other people are saying Chris Paul was the reason for kind of our meltdown last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he can be, but I think for Devin to be the number one guy on a championship team, he has to have a really solid cast around him. Like Mm -hmm. the, the additional player, it is a team game. So obviously you can't just win it with just Devin on his own. But I think you have to have a really solid cast around him. I Mm. think having somebody who can be interchangeable 1A, 1B with Devin is ideal. Obviously, we saw when Chris Paul got here, that kind of took us from when we were really great in the bubble and just launched us into an even better type of basketball and unlocked a lot of things for Devin. So I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say yes. I think he can be. I think it's just you have to have the right pieces around him, and a couple things do have to fall in place for that to happen. Absolutely. You need like the right supporting cast because it is a lot easier to win a title when you have a top-five guy, a guy like a Giannis or a Luka that can absolutely take over and dominate not just a playoff game but a playoff series. That's where Booker needs to grow as far as his consistency because we've seen him take over – playoff games like we, uh, the four that I mentioned right off the top he dominated those games but you need a guy that can do that night in and night out in the playoffs rise to that occasion every single time that's where I think he needs to grow you do need a better supporting cast if you're not going to have 
you know, this living legend hall of famer caliber, like Giannis or Luca type player. So I, I don't think he's on that level, but I do think you can win a title, but like if the Pistons could win a title with Chauncey Billups as their best player, you can construct a roster with this current group around Devin Booker and win a championship. All right, let's lighten things up a little bit because as much as I enjoy talking about that, I also hated that question because I feel like it makes you really have to sit there and think with your feelings. Um, So Suns fan Roy asked, if it was your last day to live on this earth, what would your final meal be? This is tough. Do do you have an answer? I do. Okay. I'm going to say Thanksgiving dinner, but instead of turkey, I want ham. So that would be your like, last meal is ham? Yeah. No. Like the whole Thanksgiving dinner, the whole okay. smorgasbord, Gerald, not just ham. Come on. <laughs> but that's I the want, centerpiece, right? But I want ham. I want mac and cheese. I want sweet okay. potato casserole. I want mashed potatoes. I want corn. Like you give me all of it. The whole thing. I just want a whole table full of all of my favorite things. And a lot of them are Thanksgiving based. I don't know. Or Shane, Christmas, just- depending on who you got. Shane in the comments, just brother. <laughs> Lindsay, no. Um, no. What do you mean, no, Shane? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I just, I, I have a hard time getting down with your final meal being centered. I know that there's a lot of other components to it, which I respect because I'm about to do the same thing. But with ham as the centerpiece, though. Okay, but a honey baked ham is pretty okay. bomb. Okay, but it, but your last meal bomb. <laughs> and then you also have the Hawaiian rolls. And then okay, you those can make a little sandwich with the ham and all the other fixings. Like, come on. I think this is great. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm, I'm going to have the same type of deal, but with different pieces. So I need a little bit of steak in my life before I go. I need a green chili cheeseburger. I need some of my Nonna's tortellini, which she makes from, she makes, you know, homemade tortellini. Um, some of my dad's salsa and chips, some of my mom's carne adobada and a burrito maybe a Caesar salad so I can go out healthy and like a, a berry smoothie of some sort. I think that would be a random collection of all the things that, I, Oh, and I got to have a bite of Monroe's hot chicken. One last time. Oh God. One last time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, so like I get where your head's at. Normally I would have done the exact thing of like listing a whole bunch of things, mm-hmm. but for this one time I tried to be a little bit more, specific with it because yeah. I feel like if you say oh what's your last meal and you name 17 meals as your last <laughs> meal you're kind of cheating a little bit you but know? I just, okay, I hold just, on hold on what <laughs> somebody brought this up and I just blew my how has nobody picked a dessert a berry smoothie is the only thing that came close to it Okay, but sweet potato casserole, to me, the way that my sister makes it is essentially a dessert because there's brown sugar and marshmallows that far outweigh whatever healthiness you get from the actual sweet potatoes. It's basically a dessert. I'll I'll add like a Perugina chocolate bar. It's this Italian chocolate bar that is delicious and it's not in circulation. Give me some frozen It's not not even worldwide. It's mostly just like one section of the world. Gerald just wanted to mention all of these things so he could could speak in an accent. I'm I'm really hungry. (laughs) I didn't even speak. I I didn't even even say it with an accent. While you're here, what's yours? Uh, Burger me up and give me an entire birthday cake. I don't know. Okay. There's something, <laughs> something gross. And you're giving me shit. That yeah, very fitting. I, I want something disgusting. I want to feel terrible, and then I just pass away. Well, I, I mean, feel you, awful. 
you, you, oh, you know, you know what? No, assortment. no, what? you know what I'm doing? I'm eating 15 burrito express express burritos and Good then plug. eating dessert. <laughs> what a hey oh, hey oh. Also, shout out to Burrito Express because when we were moving our offices yesterday, they came through and brought us all burritos fresh off the grill and they were delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the bean and cheese one. Which one did you have? I had the steak and potato, I think. It was it was very good. Mm, yes. And then also just a quick note for everyone listening. Daniel Ngata is um, doing an autograph signing at Burrito Express's Tempe location on August 20th. And he's bringing some of his teammates as well. So if you guys want to head on down there for that autograph session, uh, make sure you do that. That's the Tempe location. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question. This one comes from ASU David82. Which teams would you want to be in the Western Conference Finals and Finals this upcoming season? There are three main candidates for me, and I think all of them would be very sweet. Um, honestly, you could throw in both of the LA teams too, and either one of those would be sweet because Clippers fans have been talking so much shit since they didn't have Kawhi in that conference finals. And the Lakers, it's always good to beat the Lakers. But the three that I kind of pinpointed as being satisfying are the Nuggets because of the whole Jamal Murray thing. Nuggets fans are convinced that if they saw the Suns in the playoffs, despite how much the teams have changed over the last two years and they were fully healthy, they would beat us. So it would be nice to just be like, no, you were wrong the whole time. Please take your L and go back into the mountains and watch the Broncos fail with Russell Wilson. But my biggest thing would be probably the Mavs or the Warriors. Like obviously the Mavs for the revenge factor, obviously the Warriors because they're the reigning champs. And I think heading into the playoffs, heading into most of the season, we thought that's what the conference finals was going to be. So it would be nice if we finally got that anticipated matchup and they came out on top. So those are my two for the Western Conference finals. I would say if you wanted to have like um, poetic justice, right, then you beat the Mavs in the Western mm-hmm. Conference finals and then you go on and you beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals. Yes, Bucks are my number one finals choice there. And yeah. I I don't think anybody else is remotely close. Like, could you imagine if that actually happened this season? Just the, like, are you serious? What are we writing a fairy tale here? It would be super cool. (laughs) If they went Nuggets, Mavs, Warriors, Bucks in some order, that would be kind of revenge nirvana for this franchise. As much as I would love to beat the Nuggets low-key, I don't even want the Nuggets to make the playoffs. I feel like it would be better <laughs> to eliminate them from the playoffs like in like we did the Lakers last year. Something like that would be way sweeter. That would be very funny. The NBR would be so pissed. Oh, yeah. They'd be, a, they'd be upset. <laughs> and I would be a major pest in our slack. <laughs> Just talking all the trash. Okay, real quick. We're going to take one from the chat. Easy said, because okay. when we were talking about meals, he said, okay, but... What's y'all's go-to dinner that you can actually make for yourself, though? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can grill a pretty good steak, and I do grill a really good green chili cheeseburger. So it'd probably be one of those, I would have to say. I can't really make a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we're pretty rough over in these parts. I can make fajitas. I can okay. make... Um, I call it cornbread pizza, and it's literally just the same toppings as a pizza, but I make it on cornbread because okay. I love cornbread. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm intrigued or disgusted, but I'm... Listen, half the people I've made it for, it's, you either love it or you hate it. There's okay. no in-between. It's just like, nope, this is not for me, or dude, this is bomb. And okay. I feel like the only way you think it's bomb is if you love cornbread. cornbread. I mean, I do, <laughs> In the way that I love cornbread. I do 
like cornbread. I don't know if I love cornbread, but it's good. No, so I love cornbread. I'm, I'm open to the idea. Hey, I'm joining. I'm joining just to freak Gerald out. First what? of all, I want to try the pizza. Second of all, college experience. This is what I got for you guys. I what? would always eat beans, black beans, and put it in ramen, and it was unbelievable. <laughs> so just for you, Gerald. Think about that. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So it's just black beans in ramen. Well, then you got to garnish it. You know, put some makeup on the pig. Okay, but what are you garnishing it with? Beans, ramen, some uh, cilantro. Some, some, no, no, cilantro. Um, Green onion. Pico de gallo. Mm, okay. Maybe okay. a little sour cream. The fanciest I ever got with ramen was a fried egg. It's literally yeah. just like it's like beans and rice, but it's beans and long rice. Oh, <laughs> and long rice. <laughs> wow, that's what it's called. You have a super chat. Oh, Shane, you're the best. Hold on. I got to read this one. This one's long. It comes from Psycho Blue. Thank you for your super chat. Basketball Cthulhu says, Gerald knows how to break the seal that will lead the sun's ring, lead to the sun's ring necessary for my entry into reality. The basketball gods will despair. (laughs) Basketball Cthulhu is back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I never understand these, and I feel like I need to. Like, so, I just want to be in the same headspace as you, Cycle Blue, so I can understand these more. I'm pretty sure Cthulhu is just like a conqueror of worlds. So okay. basically, he's saying if the Suns win the title, it's going to open this rift that allows for the world to... Basically, the world is ending if the Suns win a title, I think. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, the reason why I'm lower is because this is what my stand is. This is what Cthulhu is from. Oh, okay. You've told me that before. I, yes, I I've just wanted to flex that. that my knowledge that I have a book. So <laughs> this is my this is Shane my reads book. everybody. No, I actually Watch don't. This is, this is used as a stand mostly. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Shane buys books, everybody. Watch wow. out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, let's get back into these. Um, Valley Sports Plug Arizona said favorite son's memory of the past five years. This one's probably going to be the same for both of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to use like the expected answer of the value, but I've I've said this many times. I've never experienced a building that loud. I've never experienced an environment or a moment like that. Like it was a Western Conference Finals game, game winning alley oop from out of but like that was just an unbelievable. And it took it had so much build up to that moment too, right? Because like. The last like 30 seconds of gameplay took like half an hour to sort out whatever the hell they were trying to figure out whose ball it was and whether there were any fouls. And it took forever to get there. And then it finally happened and the building just exploded. Like that was such a cool moment. I think the best part of it for me, and I think a lot of Suns fans too, is that we'd been there before because we saw this happen a few years earlier with Tyson Chandler, I think it was. Yeah. And so while everybody was who was not a Suns fan was kind of losing their mind, and we even saw players on the court being like, wait, 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 is that legal? Are you allowed to do that? And all of us were already kind of low-key cheering inside because we're like, yes, we already know that's legal. Like, suck it. it." Yes. Yes. (laughs) So it was a super fun win. (laughs) We literally lived through all the shit years and they brought us to that one moment, this callback to like season one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it there was, was definitely like, there was a quick wave of emotions where we all were ecstatic. And then it was like, well, hold on. Are they going to pull some BS shenanigans mm-hmm. here? And then it was official. And then it was chaos once again. It was just a yeah. really fun game. It was. Anything that can get Michael Wilbon and Stephen A. Smith to stand there shell shocked and dumbfounded is like an all time moment. I will say, someone mentioned in the chat 
the Devin Booker pose uh, from the bubble shot. Oh yeah, that's that was a good that's, one. that's definitely up there too. But you know, to do that in the conference finals, and honestly, I hate to say it, but the moment when Book threw that dunk down in Game Five of the finals, and it didn't count, Giannis like fouled him, and they lost that game. But like that moment was when I was like, oh shit, they can really win this thing, and then it all went to shit in typical Sun so fashion. So it was your fault. I, it wasn't my fault. I was just watching. No, 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 no. I was just watching a moment. I was just I, watching a moment. I heard you said it was my fault. I heard you literally say those <laughs> I words. I don't know. I said. I think I said maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll need to transcribe this one. But. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We have a few more questions. Also, if you guys have questions, just send them in the chat. Why not? Let's mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah. Uh, we want to remind you that you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and make your sports betting experiences a hundred times better. Your sports watching experiences a hundred times better when you got some skin in the game. But make sure you use that promo code PHNX. When you sign up, because after you make your first deposit, deposit a risk-free bet up to $1,000, that's promo code PHNX, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, I'm pretty sure I have to tell you one other thing that I forgot, and that is that if you sign up right now using PHNX, you're actually going to bet, after you bet $5 on any college football game, you're going to get $200 in free bets instantly. That's promo code PHNX. That's my bad because I read the dates wrong. So it's the $5 to get $200 in free bets instantly. That's the the promotion right now that DraftKings has for everyone who signs up once again using the code PHNX. So now that I butchered that ad read, Gerald, let's move right on along. (laughs) Rob wants to know what's number one on your bucket list. Uh, Going to... The Amalfi Coast or Cinque Terre. Um, it's where is that? That's in Italy. It's okay. like it's like a city I've... you've never seen. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, it maybe up. I've seen it and I didn't realize that that's where it was or what it was. Yeah, so it's it's like a city on the coast and the oceans like right there. It's beautiful. Like it's one of the most most gorgeous things I've ever seen. And I apparently went there when I was a child, went on a, like a family trip to Italy, but I was like one or two, so I don't remember anything. Um, so I definitely want to go back there. And then obviously covering a Suns championship run would be really cool. I have no control over that, but it would be a bucket list item if it happened. Yeah, I feel like I don't know that I have a quote unquote bucket list type of item, because if I did, it would be like a thousand pages long. Uh, <laughs> I think the number one thing is I just want to travel a lot more. And I don't have very many specific places. I just know I want to go to a slew of different countries and experience different cultures. Um, I know Thailand's up there up towards the top of my list. I want to go to Australia. I want to go to Iceland. Yeah. Uh, just quite a few different places. I don't know. If I could pick one, though, that, like, is kind of outside of the box, that's a little crazy that I don't even know if I'm really allowed to, like, deep Antarctica just to, like, see what it's like. Even though mm-hmm. I would hate it the entire time, it would be kind of cool to be like, yeah, I did that. Well, I mean, the good news is we are going to Australia to visit Jock Landale next That's true. summer. So we're, we're going to so knock one off. I should start a bucket list and put all these places <laughs> down just so I can cross one off. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, Zachary Lozier asked, given the chasm between how good we were feeling at the end of the regular season and the pitiful playoff performance which followed, what should we look for this season, which might tell us things will be different this time? 
Yeah, I think I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I do think this is the season where you backtrack a little bit in terms of regular season wins because you try different things. You need to mix different lineups up. You need to experiment. You need to put the ball in Mikhail's hand, in Cam's hand, in DA's hand, and let them create their own offense and see what they can do. If they can't do it and you lose a game here and there because of it, so be it. But you need to put guys in situations where they can fail or where they can succeed because we saw it in the playoffs the last two times if Devin Booker and Chris Paul are having an off game if Chris Paul's banged up if Booker's hurt if Booker's just not having a good game you need to have other alternatives you need to have guys that can step up and DA's offense to this point is still largely dependent on other people getting him the ball in his spots I want to see him dribble the ball more this year. I want to see Mikhail create more of his own offense. I want to see Cam start and be assertive. Like these are the things that I think may not pay off in the short term, but in the long term, they'll make you better because guys will have expanded skill sets. So, you know, obviously a Kevin Durant trade is probably at the top of that list. If you trade for Kevin Durant, <laughs> then, you know, who cares how many games you win? But if you're running it back with this same group and you need, your bench to show up. You need guys to be put in different positions. And especially I'm watching that campaign and Dario Sharch pairing because Payne needs a, a bounce back season really badly. Like they need to be able to rely on him come playoff time. Hopefully Sharch helps with that, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree. Everything you said, as far as campaign goes, I think that's just something to keep an eye out on in general, because if you've got year one campaign, we're going to be in a good spot. If we've got more of year two campaign, then things might become a little bit questionable there. I'd also say to keep an eye out for uh, Chris Paul's role and how we kind of utilize him. Is he pacing mm -hmm. himself a little bit more? Is he taking a little bit more of a step back um, so that hopefully he is a little more rested come playoff time? How many injuries are we looking at here? Things like that um, are something that I would probably want to keep an eye out on as well. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Aaron in the chat said, what was the moment in your life you decided to get into sports journalism, which was also another question that we got asked from pro sports fan one, two, three said, how did you get into reporting? And then everyone was asking, did you actually grow up in New Mexico, Gerald? And kind of what was your path to this point in life? So that's going to go next one. Tell yeah. us about your journey. <laughs> yeah. So I, was born in Albuquerque when I was young. We moved to Tucson for like five years, and then we moved back to Albuquerque because that's where both sides of my family are from. Um, so I am pretty much born and raised Albuquerque. Uh, I came out here for college, went to ASU in 2009, and uh, graduated with my degrees from there in the sports journalism world. But kind of what got me into it was um, – at some point, I grew up playing basketball my whole life. At some point, you look yourself in the mirror and like, you're not going to get any D1 offers. You're not going to be able to play in the NBA, Gerald. So <laughs> what's the next best thing? Because you love this sport. You love this league. You love the players so much. What's the next best thing? Well, it's writing about it. I had an English teacher that really kind of cultivated my love of writing. Um, and it got to the point where it would feel weird if I didn't write anything on a daily basis. So um, I kind of just combined those two. Arizona State had a really good program and they had a good um, accelerated course where you could get your master's at the end of the four years. So I did that and I kind of started. Wait, you have a master's? Yeah. Oh, you fancy, fancy. <laughs> we got to kill the fancy thing because I literally just said one of my last meal things would be Monroe's hot chicken. But 
Um, Just lean into it, Joe. It's yeah. positive. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think my final semester in college, I started writing for a website called Hoops Habit before they were picked up by Fansighted. Just as a side thing to kind of hone my craft, I worked my way up. I wrote a lot and worked really hard to get myself into a salary position eventually. Um, so I kind of pulled myself up by my bootstraps as far as making it into this industry. Um, and then it's just been a matter of, you know, making the right relationships, putting in the hard work, covering the team since 2015. Um, so it's, it's been a long road, but it's been a really fun and rewarding one. Uh, but yes, I am from Albuquerque, 505 native, probably part of why I love Breaking Bad so much, but not all of it. <laughs> sure, what about, sure, sure. What, what about you, Linz? What? How did you get to this point in your career? Um, so I have always been a kind of limelight type of person, storyteller, performer, all that kind of stuff growing up. So I thought I wanted to be an actor. So I graduated mm -hmm. high school early and I moved to LA to, to that dream. Oh, man. And I basically just chalk it up as my early, early years, because that's basically what it turned into. I did do a few things here and there, but I was probably more focused on the friends I was making and the fun that I was having than the actual like career chasing at that point in time. And I also did my first two years of college um, online while I was living out there as well. So I was out there for three years because I took a gap year. I graduated high school early and then took a semester. I deferred my scholarship for a semester. Okay. Um, and then I had to come back to Arizona because at that time, there just wasn't a whole lot of online courses and like degree programs that I actually thought I would use. And so I was really trying to figure out exactly what I would want to do in life. And I was like, I know I love storytelling. Um, I hate the news, though, but I do love sports. And at that point in time, people were actually starting to get into sports storytelling. And, you know, mm. just the social media space was taking off and creating content for social. And teams were starting to get reporters specifically for themselves. It wasn't all just the ESPN Sports Center type stuff anymore. Mm. So that's what I was like, OK, this this is perfect. I love sports. I love storytelling. Let's do this. Um, also went to ASU and I was way behind the rest of my class because they all had a four, four like basically two years under their belts. And I came in as a completely like newbie, <laughs> had no clue what I was doing. Mm. Went to an internship fair and nobody chose me as their intern. And oh, then no. <laughs> there, was, there were like a handful of us left. And there was one company, it's Cox Communications here in the Valley who wasn't mm. able to make it to that fair. And they, I was the best of the worst of the leftovers. They picked me as their intern. <laughs> <laughs> but it ended up being the best thing in the entire world for me because I actually got to do way more than some of my other classmates got to do with their internships because they were like, what do you want to do? Like, whatever you want to do, we will open a door for you to be able to do that here. So I quit my job bartending, went full blown into this. They also paid me, y'all. I got paid $8 an hour. All and then right. after I wasn't wasn't an intern anymore, they bumped that up to $10 an hour. Hell yeah. Um, so I they threw me on air for Arizona Rattlers games. I got to produce a bunch of stuff. I edited stuff. I shot stuff. I did the box, like the score box for high school football games. I was stage manager for GCU. And basically after I graduated college, um, I just did full-time freelance for like two libraries. So I was working for the Cardinals. I did digital reporting for them in arena uh, hosting for them, tons of stuff all around the Valley. 
Um, and then I got the call from the Coyotes that they wanted me to apply for their um, content development and arena host position, got that job. Then I got the call from the Suns that they wanted me to apply for their um, digital reporting job, got that job. And then now I'm here at PHNX and like the rest is history. So that's kind of my path. I know that. I, I love the fact that like you called yourself the best of the worst. You were like, you're like, that's Draymond. like my claim to fame. Like <laughs> I was the best of the worst. Word. <laughs> you were, you, you, had, you had that chip on your shoulder, like draft night falls to the second round and can name every motherfucker that came before you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um. Yeah, no, I feel like I like to say that because I just think that I don't know how it is in school and in this space, like actually getting your start nowadays. But back when I was in school, granted at ASU, it was very news based. They didn't we didn't have like the very specific sports programs that they have now where they really set you up for success within the sports world. It was more geared towards news and news alone. And if you weren't like the shining star of your class, then you kind of didn't really get a lot of the love and attention that you probably needed to help you become that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just, I feel like it's just important to always say, like, even if you've made it somewhere, wherever you are within your career path, you've made it somewhere to remind people that like, Hey, I, this didn't always come easy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a cakewalk. And if you suck now, that's okay. Cause you can get better. Like it doesn't have to just be like the most natural thing for you. And that's not just in sports journalism or journalism as a whole. I just remember in general, I mean, I'm just saying like in general, like you can always get better at whatever it is you actually want to do as long as you're willing to put in the work. Oh yeah. And I'm glad you said that too, because that was kind of similar to my experience at ASU. Like I I had good grades, but because I was on this accelerated course or whatever, I didn't have a lot of time for internships. And so I felt like when it was time to graduate, I was behind in terms of actual experience that I had. Um, and you know, they didn't, I I didn't feel like they really kind of set me on the course to getting employed after I graduated. I kind of had to do it all myself. So Mm -hmm. for anyone who's listening out there, you know, if you're in that similar situation, you can definitely make it work. You just have to be willing to put in that work and continue getting better at what you do. Yeah. Also, I grew up in Sierra Vista, so I'm not as your your leg up on me because you got New Mexico and Tucson. Sierra Vista is a little worse than those two. So Oh, yeah. Sorry, SV, but there was a reason why I dipped out as soon as I could. <laughs> I was just bored. That was it. That's all. There yeah. just really wasn't enough to do there. Also, Code in the chat said, finally made it to a live show. Lindsay, I've been holding this in for a while now, but how could you not know Rocco's modern life is a wallaby? Mm. Um, sorry. To be fair, none of us remembered that. <laughs> I, it makes sense now, but I totally forgot. It's It's been a while since I binged Rocco's Modern Life. So. <laughs> so if I was the worst of the best, what were you, Gerald? I was like the middle. Or I mean, the, I'm sorry, the best of the worst. You guys all got me confused in the chat now. I don't know. I was just kind of there. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> No, you were like in the I middle, got, right? Yeah, I was probably in the middle. I was like very I don't smart. see you as just being a just there kind of guy. I don't believe that. I mean, it, it was when it was time to line up your graduates with fancy new jobs, but like, oh. I don't know. I, it's, it's whatever. I, I got good grades. I definitely did. But like, I don't know, everybody, because I was in the honors college, so everybody got good grades around me. So I was just kind of in the middle Gerald's of the pack, I think. so bougie. <laughs> I'm not. Damn, we're, we're learning, learning about Gerald today, you guys. 
Oh man, you guys are fancy and it. smart, full blown cat. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop. Amy, better hugging it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna stop sharing things about myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to give you a little bit of grief. That's I just it. had to give you a little bit of grief. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Gerald, do you have any questions or any final things you want to share before we say goodbye? Say goodbye. No, I don't think so. I think we. I think we covered it all. I am going to be on vacation for the next 10 days, so I won't see you guys for a while. But uh, as always, thank you for watching. And it'll be nice to be to come back in a couple weeks and be fully refreshed again to keep talking about the Kevin Durant trade that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I bet you $20. No, not $20. I'll bet you $2. Um, two. two, just two, because that 20 is too much for this type mm. of shenanigans to put that much on. But I'll mm. bet you $2 that in the time you're gone, we're going to have a whole bunch of news break and you're going to be so upset and you're probably going to text one of us and be like, can I'll just, I'll just join in remotely. And we're going to be like, no, no, you're not. You're going to go to the beach. I'm going to be so mad if I have, if this, I'm already bracing for the possibility of this Kevin Durant trade breaks while I'm in Hawaii. But my girlfriend has like this whole itinerary set up like day by day. Like she's very on top of it. So I'm hoping it just never comes to that and we can wait. Like, give me August 29th. That's that's when it'll be, when I'm back. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. But everyone, just know it's yeah. Gerald's fault either way. It's Whatever happens, happen. it's Gerald's fault. It's probably going to happen. So brace <laughs> for the next 10 days. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed this fun mailbag episode. Um, I will see you tomorrow. Like Gerald said, he'll be on vacation for a while. But I will see you tomorrow with... I don't know, somebody, Espo, Saul, maybe Shane, maybe Shane and I will do a fun show um, because like we said, this week's going to be a little bit unique because we are moving offices and we're setting up a really cool space. And hopefully you guys will love the new space that we have for our shows that we'll hopefully have set up by next week. But until then, um, you can always follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lindsay Smith AZ. Gerald is at Gerald Borgay. Saul is at Saul underscore Bookman. Espo is at Espo. And a quick reminder, we also want you guys to stay safe and healthy out there. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. Gerald, you're the only option, so you have to take us home today. <laughs> Just remember, if you're looking for a last meal, get all of your last meals in at the same time. Ahoy, hoy. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. <laughs>